the song leader begins to lead his song and then the song is, is over and, but he wants to keep going. And I turn my microphone on, uh, and so I have to sing silently. Uh, anyway, John, <laughs> it is wonderful to be home, to see you all again, to be with you. Uh, we have missed you dearly and we are thankful to God for his blessing of taking us and bringing us back safely. We welcome you, both members and visitors alike. We, uh, thank you for your attendance and, uh, thank you for worshiping with us today. Let's go together, please, to our great God in a word of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, creator and sustainer of all life, we give unto you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. We lift up your holy and divine name. We thank you for Jesus, your great son, in whom you so willingly sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary, who died for us, who died for us. Because he loved us. Because you love us. Help us, Lord God, to love you back. To return that love to you. To be all that you would have us to be. And this morning in our worship, please accept our worship. Please help us, Lord God, to rid our minds of worldly thought. That we might be holy, spiritual in in mind, body, and soul at this moment, at this hour. Bringing glory and honor unto you. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it be thy will. Amen. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, right? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I just want you to get that in your mind. What have I been doing for the last, I don't know, several months? We've been talking about Jesus in the Old Testament, bringing him all the way into the New Testament, trying to get a better, more clear and accurate understanding of Jesus to cause us to leave this building and through our week to say over and over again, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Luke, please, chapter 24. We'll begin there. We're looking at the the book of Joel. So we're going to look at Jesus in the book of Joel as God has revealed him to us. But there's a discussion that happens on the road of Emmaus, beginning in verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all these things which had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was prophet, a prophet mighty indeed, and word, and the sight of God, and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified. Now understand that Jesus was right next to them, conversing with them and 
God, though, had closed their eyes. They hadn't recognized. And sometimes I think that's what's happened uh, when we look at the Old Testament. If God doesn't open our eyes, church, we don't get to see Jesus. And we're begging him today to open our eyes. In verse 25, the Bible says, And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. And then verse 44 says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that all things are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Let's go back to the book of Joel. Jesus says, the Bible is all about me. The Holy Spirit says, the Bible is all about God. It's about the Godhead. It's about Jesus. And they have spoken about Jesus over and over and over again. The question is, have we opened our eyes? So Joel tells us about a, a disaster that uh, would, 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 it would be hard to forget. In verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, O elders, and listen. All inhabitants of the land... Has anything like this happened in your days or in your father's days? Tell your sons about it and let your sons tell their sons and their sons the next generation. Tell them what, God? I'm bringing a plague, an army of locusts upon my disobedient people. In verse 4, what the gnawing locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust has eaten. And what the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust has eaten. Awake, drunkards, and weep and wail, all you wine drinkers, on account of the sweet wine that is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has invaded my land, mighty and without number. Its teeth are the teeth of a lion, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has made my vine a waste, and my fig tree splinters. It has stripped them bare and cast them away. Their branches have become white. Now, I grew up in in the Maryland, D.C. area, and I believe it's every seven years the cicadas would come. And, and they were a, a type of locust, if you will. Um, and they would fly, and they're just everywhere. And we'd have to walk to school. And as you're walking to school, sometimes the cicadas would, would hit you in the, on the head, and, and they would hit you in the body, because there was just so many of them. They were everywhere on the tree. They were everywhere. One of the worst times of our lives of having to go to school. And then when the cicadas would finally um, stop, if you will, they all died off. And then as you walked to school the next day, after several days of dealing with this, all you heard was crunch, 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 crunch. There were so many cicadas. It was just a crazy, 
crazy time in our lives. And I will never forget those cicadas. But God says, I've got something worse for you, Judah. Because this is a time that you will never forget. Everything. Imagine that. All their food resources. Everything. Everything destroyed. Verse 11. Be ashamed, O farmers. Well, O vine dressers. For the wheat and the barley. Because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine dries up and the fig trees fail. The pomegranate, the palm also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field dry up. Indeed, rejoice. Rejoicing dries up from the sons of men. There's no reason to be happy right now. Why? Because of wickedness and evil. Their food was in short supply. So much so. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, Well, like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth, the grain offering and the libation are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn the ministers of the Lord. In other words, there wasn't even enough grain left to present a grain offering to God. It was a bad time. And Joel gives us the bad news of God's judgment against their wickedness. But he also gives them the good news of his promised deliverance. The deliverance came through... Y'all know the answer, right? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was the hope. Jesus is the hope. There was grace, and there was protection, and there was hope for all who called on the name of God. Therefore, the people in their punishment had to learn something. You gotta turn to God for your deliverance. I wonder if we've learned that. We have to turn to God for our deliverance. Look at chapter 2, verse 18. This is warm this scripture up. Warm this text up. 2.18. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. And the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I am going to send you grain, new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied in full with them. And I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. So a day of disaster, and then comes a day of plenty and a blessing from the Lord. In verse 21, Do not fear, O land. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness have turned green, for the tree has borne its fruit. The fig tree and the vine have yielded in full. You might be asking, preacher, you, you said that you're going to preach about Jesus. I need you to get that in order to get the rest of the story. Because the rest of the account that we're going to be looking at speaks of that amazing blessing of God that comes through the Holy Spirit, that comes 
through Jesus. It comes in their time. And the prophecy and the promise also came in the days of the early church. Let's take a look at God's deliverance for his people. Verse 28, chapter 2. And it will come about after this, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. What days? What is he talking about? I mean, Lord, we're suffering today. What days are you talking about? Verse 30, please. And I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. What day? Well, let's do something. Let's reach forward. And then we'll come back to their day to show the deliverance and the blessing in their day. But let's reach forward so we can see our day. Acts, please, chapter 2. The day of Pentecost had fully come. And the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles. And they began speaking in tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. But what does that have to do with the people in Joel's day with Judah. We'll get back to that. Verse 1. Look at God's blessing as he established the church. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, Why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and districts of Libya and Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? It's a good question. See, it's always been about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It's always been about our salvation. It's all been about God's love for humanity. For God so loved the world that He gave us, brethren. He gave us, friends. He gave us a plan of salvation. He gave us salvation. He gave them salvation. But their salvation would not come without Jesus. Right? 
What does all this mean? He says, you've got to go back to the book of Joel to understand what all this means. Verse 15. For these men are not drunk, as you supposed, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall come, or be at the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my bond servants, both men and women, I will pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's all this mean? You, you have to go back to the book of Joel to understand that what Joel was talking about by prophetic utterance, what God is talking about is Jesus. The deliverance of Jesus for his people. Now let's go back to Joel again, just so we don't forget exactly what Joel has spoken of. Joel, we're looking at chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. God was calling his people home to him. Now he's speaking of both the world, in Acts 2, the rest of the world, everyone, and the Jews. The Gentiles and the Jews. Verse 30, please. And I will display wonders in the sky... And on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. Look, this is, when you start reading about blood and fire and the heavens shaking, it's God's, he's going to shake the kingdoms. He's going to shake up Rome, if you will, in the New Testament days. He's going to shake it up. There's something new coming. There's something amazing coming. And that amazingness that he speaks of is Jesus. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord come. So, the Holy Spirit falling down on the apostles in the beginning of the church is God's great and amazing day that came. Salvation came through Jesus Christ. And without Jesus, no man could ever be saved. What God has done for us is God has shown His mercy, His full grace, His full compassion, and His full kindness through Jesus. If you don't get Jesus... You don't get God. You see, if you don't understand Jesus, we can't understand the Godhead. In the Old Testament, that's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, when you read all the way through chapter 3, when you read the Old Testament, there's a veil over the face. Because what's happening is you're reading it word for word, but when you're reading it, if God doesn't reveal Jesus to you, you miss the message that God is revealing to the world. God reveals himself continuously, manifests himself in so many different ways. Now, Joel 2 and verse 23. 
So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God, for He has given you the early rain for your vindication, and He has poured down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain as before. What do you think? What do you think? The early and the latter rain that brings redemption to them or restoration to their land. What do you think God's talking about? There you go. Thank you. Somebody said it. Jesus. Jesus is represented, if you will, or symbolized uh, by God as the former rain and the latter rain. God is showing us Jesus. Verse 23. So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God, for He has given you the early rain for your vindication, and He has poured down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain as before Jesus. Verse 12, if you will. Listen to verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Jesus. So we've heard so long, so long, you say, you know, the Father, the Father, the Father. Look, we're talking the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-substantial, co-eternal. Don't take Jesus out. Don't make Jesus a little God or a different God. Don't change the Holy Spirit. God is God. What makes God God? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, the Godhead, is revealing to us Jesus. If you don't get Jesus, you're going to miss the message of God. The message of God is so powerful, it is carried from the Old Testament into the New Testament. It grows. It grows like that huge tree. It grows and resonates inside of our hearts. It's all about Jesus. He says to, the, to Judah, he says, return to me, come to me, turn your life around, stop living a wicked life, turn to me. You think he's saying the same thing to us? Look, if you will, at verse 32. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, in all caps, God's personal name, who do you think he's talking about? <laughs> Shall I start over again? <laughs> Jesus, church. He's talking about Jesus. Well, preacher, how do you know he's talking about Jesus? Go on over to the New Testament. Turn over to Romans, please. Chapter 10. We know he's talking about Jesus. He's shown us over and over again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Folks will grab this verse, cherry pick it, pull out of it what they want. But let me tell you something. If you don't go back to Joel and get the depth of the message, you miss what God is saying. Those people, Judah, they needed to surrender to God. They were living their lives in wickedness and evil. And they said, God, we don't even care about you. And God sent a plague of locusts. His army, he says. And they they came and they devoured the land. And what Judah had to learn to do was surrender to God and call on God for help. Because no other God, if you will, in those days, no idol God could help them. Church, that's the same message of God today. 
Every human being has to call on the name of God. And in particular, within the Godhead, if we want salvation, you've got to call on Jesus. Listen to what it says in Romans 10, in verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches. For all who call upon Him, context, Jesus. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All caps, God's personal name. You got to call on Jesus. Someone says, preacher, I- I've been calling on the name of Jesus, but he hasn't heard me. I'm, I'm in the world and I'm, and I'm lost and I've read the Bible and I realize I need to call on Jesus. And I've been calling on Jesus. And I've listened to many preachers and they said, say this. And some preachers say, say that. And some preachers said, do this. And some say, do that. We're going to let the Bible tell us what to do. Look at verse 14 first. And how then shall they call upon him in whom they have not heard or believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without, without a preacher? So the question is this. Let me close this out. Judah had to learn. And Judah learned. Call on God. They called on God. Help us, God. We surrender to you, God. We're sorry. We repent. We turn our lives back to you. Today, if you are willing to turn your life to Jesus, you believe in Jesus, and you're willing to have that repentance, that godly sorrow in your heart. And you're willing to confess his name before, before mankind. And you're willing to call on his name. Well, what shall I call, preacher? What shall I say? That's the last and the final step. Everything else brings us to Christ. Hearing brings us to Christ. Believing brings us to Christ. Repentance brings us to Christ. Confession brings us to Christ. But calling on Jesus Put you into Christ. Well, preacher, I, I thought you said, I, I thought the Bible says baptism puts us into Christ. That's exactly what I just said. Look at Acts 22 and let's close. Acts 22 and verse 16. The Bible makes it clear. Baptism isn't just getting wet, church. It's calling on the name of Jesus. Verse 16 says, And now why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. You don't have to say a word. You just have to surrender. So this morning, if there are some out there who want to call on the name of Jesus, we invite you to surrender to God. Be baptized, immersed in the water of salvation. If you're struggling in your life and you need prayers made in your behalf, here's another opportunity that God has given to us, each one of us. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Mm-hmm.